Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from ScottArtist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 17 of Dead Man's Chest. Let me just say this before we officially kick off this discussion here. I'm giddy with excitement with this minute. Great acting, spot-on character development, and we get a ton of historical elements from dreaded black spots to leviathans to a mention of Davy Jones' locker, the Flying Dutchman, and even some saline slang and terms. This is the kind of minute that provides that opportunity to dive into the myth and reality of pirates. So I'm the winner. Everybody out there in the listening world, not so much the winners today, are you? This is going to be a long one, folks. (laughs) It's not going to be a long one. I'm trying to keep uh, that down i don't want to bore people with my history class but if you're looking for euphemisms ah today just may not be the day for that oh bummer i know unless they just come up naturally well sometimes when you're in history it gets more serious tone and not the fun euphemistic tone that uh, we take sometimes there you go so maybe today will just be people can choose their own euphemism and then just play along or silently give it to themselves yeah you know Create a drinking game whenever there's a history element brought up, and then they can have a drink of rum or grog. It's a good idea. Maybe that'll work. In the previous minute, Bootstrap delights us with a little-known 18th century delicacy. Nothing says satisfies like fresh-caught hermit crab. Forget the turns. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> you just picture him eating the hermit crab, which is disgusting. <laughs> Forget... <laughs> completely messed that up for me. Thank you. I mean, honestly. Forget the Tums, people. That chitin does wonders for bone loss. It's the latest health craze sweeping the world, and be sure to wash that down with a little seawater and crusty rum. Oh, and how can I forget? Am I going to get through this or what? We can't have the whole thing you laughing to make it everybody else laugh. People don't want to listen to us laugh, that's for sure. Can I have a bottle of that crusty rum? <laughs> uh, everybody needs some crusty rum. It's the latest thing. I'm going to get that uh, domain name, crustyrum.com. <laughs> oh, and how can I forget? Jack sold his soul for a mere 13 years as captain in exchange for 100 years of service. That's 100 years of service to the one, the only, Davy Jones. Cheer up, sleepy sparrow. Oh, what can it mean to a rum dream believer and a saline fiend? There we go. I know we didn't really get into all the 
detailed. Yeah, I but was I, gonna say. I just had to put it in there. Minute 17 begins with Bootstrap continuing to warn Jack Sparrow with, To you as well, one soul bound a crew a hundred years upon his ship. Jack chimes in, Yes, but the Flying Dutchman already has a captain, so there's really... As Turner interjects, then it's the locker for you. Jones' terrible leviathan will find you and drag that pearl back to the depths and you along with it. The minute ends with Jack frantically running topside and screaming orders. On deck, all hands, make fast the bunk gasket. On deck, scurry, scurry, I want movement, I want movement. Okay, he didn't say that. He said movement. I want movement. There you go. Lift up the skin, keep, dot, dot, dot. Lift up the skin? Yeah, barely got through that. That was a rough one. That was a rough one. And you didn't put in enough feeling i was just trying to get through it into turner's oh i'm sorry statement here that's because i couldn't get through it i was really having trouble today i mean it's the locker for you that couldn't come out what you all of a sudden you're a classically trained shakespearean actor over there maybe yeah i mean this is one hell of a dramatic minute actually this is where the pace of the movie completely changes and grabs that upbeat race against the clock feel Jack has no time to lose, and it's time to rouse the crew. Everything was going along as planned, except for the compass and then determining the heading. But there was time for an excess of rum before. Now, it's not the rum. It's get your asses moving, people. We got somewhere to be. That's what's going on. Exactly. That's how I take it. Yes. Before I go all out and fall into a history trap here, we should probably maybe talk about the actual movie instead of a lot of these tangents that I know that we're going to go down. Because I have them in my notes, so I know that we're going to go down that way. But I almost feel a history presentation coming on, as I said earlier. I think it's going to be here. Class is going to be in session. But this may also be a time for one of my lists. One of those great lists that I come up with of oh, my likes no. and dislikes. But this one maybe PowerPoint will just be like presentation. No PowerPoint. Okay, maybe. <laughs> There's such a dichotomy between Jack and Bootstrap here. Jack's not taking the situation seriously at all. Hey, that's what I have. Bootstrap's frustrated. Yeah, Bootstrap is frustrated. <laughs> and I thought we said no euphemisms. <laughs> How much rum have been... <laughs> We haven't even been drinking any rum, but it sure feels like it. Huh. I almost feel... I almost think he uses humor as a defense mechanism. That's what we're doing now. <laughs> we're... We're really like at each other's throats, but we got to use humor to uh, to help quell that, to quash it. But I think Jack is doing a defense mechanism humor thing here, like many of us do. Is it arching your back when somebody's talking to you? No, but that is what I have here too. I mean, we can get there because we're not there yet. We're talking about the humor. I don't know what, why are you jumping ahead? Bootstrap is trying to level with Jack. Take that thing seriously. You're in a world of hurt kind of attitude. The S is going to hit the fan, and now's no time for jokes or trying to trick your way out of this poor deal you made with Davy Jones. But Jack is just trying to trickster himself out of this. He's being Jack. Yeah, it's not going to work. So here, here's my list of favorite things for this minute. Bootstrap close-talking Jack. I always like a Seinfeld reference, <laughs> so I had to put that in there. And on that close-talking point, Bootstrap is pushing forward as Jack is leaning back, just what you were saying. Yeah. You're, you jumped ahead onto my bullet point list, and you stole number two. How dare you? I don't know what to tell you. But this is a classic Warner Brothers or Bugs Bunny cartoon maneuver and trope thing going on here. This is such a well-timed action as it fits right along with Jack trying to weasel out of this whole idea of blood repaid, even though it's not the Black Pearl, but it is similar to that. Yeah. It's kind of a callback. Then there's the black spot. And I'm torn on the spot, actually. 
So maybe it's not what things I like. It, there's also other things that maybe I'm torn on. So we'll just say that. Well, my thing is, if Bootstrap's Jack's friend, why would he give him a black spot? He doesn't have a choice. So I, I thought of that too. Like, why is he doing this and not trying to help Jack out better? Yeah. And I was wondering that too. But I think being in the service of Davy Jones, he doesn't really have a choice. There's nothing he can do about it. Mm. The power of Davy Jones compels him. The power of Davy Jones compels him <laughs> to sing Cheer Sister. What? No. <laughs> I'm really torn on the black spot. Why? Not the monkeys or Davy Jones, because I do like that. There we go. But I kind of wish it was more traditional. Maybe even just a regular black spot that appears on Jack's poem. It's just a minor point. But if it wasn't so lively, I might have liked it better, I think. Oh. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it just been a black spot. It would have been nice but, to have a real shout out to Treasure Island if it was an actual black spot, like just a black circle on his hand, not this kind of living spot that appears. Yeah, but it kind of goes with the whole Davy Jones thing, though. Well, I know that. I got that. Because you'll have to wait for the next bullet point. But I'm just wondering, wouldn't it have been nice if it was just a regular black spot? This is what I'm wondering. If it was a regular black spot, does it help with the other supernatural elements coming in? Because then this is less of a supernatural element, even though it just magically appears. You know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, Are we like I going understand. over the top with supernatural stuff as opposed to if it was just a regular black spot? Or does it have to be, like I say in bullet point, the next one? Well, I forgot what number I was on. I think it has to be this way forward to get a reaction like we got from Jack. If it's just a regular black spot, he's not going to be freaking out over it because it looks dirty. It looks, you know, it could have been some charcoal or something, you know, but to get Jack's reaction. Damn you, Bootstrap. He got dirt on my palm. Well, look at Bootstrap's palms. They're like green. Like he's turning into. Yeah, he's uh, nasty. He's turning into. Seriously. Jack should have had some Lysol. Frankenstein. That's what I'm trying to think of. But you know what I'm saying, though? To get a reaction like we got. Yeah. Snuffle up, I guess. (laughs) To get the reaction like we got, Jack wouldn't have reacted that much if it was just a regular black spot. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, the black spot in the regular pirate movie is not something you want to get. And I was just wondering if it was more powerful. Is this more powerful like it is to the audience and to Jack? Or is it more powerful if it was just a regular black spot? Maybe if it was... Maybe they did that because it is a supernatural thing. Like, hey, as Bootstrap said, the Leviathan is coming. His terrible beastie. And a regular black spot wouldn't be as noticeable. If it was a full black... Or you're, really? Yeah. You're going to go there? Yeah, because it moved. And it oh, my out. God. Ah, how long's this, it's like a creature in his hand. How long has this dark midnight black spot been on my palm? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't noticed it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I had no idea. If this black spot was moving, I probably would have noticed it sooner. Is that what you're saying? I'm no, getting... as us, the audience. Oh, well, okay. Uh, as know. Jack. I mean, I think in my next bullet point, because I do think that this, some interesting details with the spot that they added. Because if you look closely, you can see what appear to be tentacles or swirls and arms or maybe like a maelstrom or whirlpool or something effect going on i got the foreshadowing things to come perhaps what i got the more burning a hole but it looked if you look there's like little arms and things that come out of it you put gave him the creeping cred well it did give him that i guess that kind of barnacles coming out of his hand now (laughs) 
That's not good. Yeah, you just don't want them touching you anyways for fear that you're going <laughs> to yeah. get barnacles growing on you. And the last on my list is Jack realizing that this isn't something he can sidestep, or at least currently sidestep. Dude, this is all coming to a head step. right now. We're going to do Best Little Horror House in Texas. <laughs> Jack would be up for that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is all coming to a head right now. When he sees the black spot, you can see the fear in his eyes. His whole demeanor changes, especially when Bootstrap disappears. Then it's like the panic sets in and he actually, well, we see Jack actually being a captain. He's barking out orders, getting the crew in line. Yeah. And this is also a callback to the Curse of the Black Pearl because he did that in that movie as well, in the first movie. Yeah, he did. It's like one time in each movie, he actually kind of steps up to be the traditional pirate captain that barks out orders. Gets everyone all riled up and doing their jobs. Otherwise, he's pretty mellow. Yeah, he is mellow. Must live in California. Yep, he is. He's a Bob Dylan fan. <laughs> <laughs> I was so ready and excited to talk about the word Leviathan that came up and I was just mentioning that and the origin and all the mythological stuff that happens with it but when I started reading and researching it I was thinking who in the blimey hell wants to hear me rattle off a bunch of old gods and names and things I probably would mispronounce it was like every sentence was just full of garble that would have been just like, seriously, they're actually talking about this? What is this? Yeah, it even stretched beyond what we would do. That's how, how crazy it got. I'd like My eyes would like glaze over? Yeah, like they're right now. <laughs> they are right now. So in a rare moment of restraint and leaving some specifics to later in the movie, perhaps, when we uh, get a proper Leviathan introduction, if that so happens, I'll leave it at that. Or I'll, wow, maybe, I'll leave it at shocker. this, actually. I'll, I'll say, okay. Oh, you have more. Okay. I have more. I'm not going to leave it at that because that <laughs> would be ridiculous. I can't just leave that because class is in session here. The Leviathan of the Book of Job is a reflection of the older Canaanite Lotan, a primeval monster defeated by the god Hated. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hated. Hey, Dad. However you want to say it. See, this is what I was talking about. And this is parsed down just for your entertainment out there. <laughs> there are many parallels to old world mythology in this wider comparison to dragons and old world serpent narratives. However, Leviathan already figures in the Hebrew Bible as a metaphor for, because it's symbolism, powerful enemy, notably Babylon. And some scholars have pragmatically interpreted it as referring to large aquatic creatures such as a crocodile. Really? The word later came to use as a term for great whale as well as sea monsters in general. Hence, uh, Leviathan. Wow. Whale. Book of Job. Or Terrible Beastie. Or Terrible Beastie. All synonyms for the same thing. There are even Near Eastern religions that use Leviathan as a symbolic cosmic battle. And this is where it gets good. A okay. cosmic battle between a sea monster representing the forces of chaos and a creator god or culture or hero who imposes order by force. The takeaway for everybody here is obviously cosmic battle. You don't get to say cosmic battle very often. No, we don't. Uh, now that I think about it, that's an actual movie right there. We should be writing a screenplay for that. The cosmic battle. Who doesn't want to see a movie about a, well, maybe a kaiju movie? Because this has got to be more like a Godzilla kind of thing going on here. For all you kaiju fans out there. Heather's looking at me like, kaiju, what the hell? Why don't you just say big monster? <laughs> oh, you have to go Japanese on us. Okay, there you go. Big monster movie. Kind of Godzilla-like with a sea monster battling a god. Or maybe this is the next Thor movie. Thor, the cosmic battle. Yes. Fights a sea monster. Oh, now you're up you on should, it because you it's should Thor. sell it. Yeah. Like, get the hell out of here with that. <laughs> it's the lamest idea I've ever heard. 
Now that's where I'll leave with Leviathan because we have a lot of stuff that we can talk about later. Or if terrible beastie. We see a terrible beastie pop up, but like I said, it got really crazy and I just did not want to go there. But when I heard Jack start talking to the crew, yeah, beyond like Leviathan that we heard earlier, some really cool terms, he says to them, "Lift the skin up," and I assumed it was slang for raise the sails. Yeah. But I was having a hard time finding a lot of information regarding this phrase. Yeah. I even went to the almighty Google and not very much there. Really? Surprised you searched that on the almighty Google. I did. (laughs) Yeah. I got all kinds of crazy stuff. (laughs) You think euphemisms? This is not euphemisms. This is blatant. I mean, blatant stuff. Don't type in lift the skin. (laughs) But I did. It did have one mention. And it referred me back to a book that I have. And so I checked it out. And it was Under the Black Flag by David Cordingly. And so I had to go diving into my book that I have. David doesn't really talk about the phrase itself. But it was included in a passage about the lingo pirates and sailors used at the time. So it wasn't like he defined it or talked about the origin. He just happened to include it. Oh, really? Yeah, he says seamen in the days of sail were a race apart. They spoke a language that was so filled with technical expressions that it was nearly incomprehensible to a landsman. And here's an example that he included to see if everybody can follow along with this crazy sailor talk here. We thought Jack was doing some sailor talk. Not in the least likely. Lift the skin up and put into the blunt. Walk the plank. Not a blunt. No blunting out there, folks. We don't want any blunts. Although if you're lighting the blunts up while you're listening to this, hey, makes history fun. It's legal now. Yeah, at least where we are in California. Oh, man. And I thought I said no euphemisms. Damn that lift the blunt. Okay, lift the skin up and put into the bunt the slack of the clues, the leech and the footage rope. And body of the sail, being careful not to let it get forward under or hang down abaft. Then haul your bunt well up on the yard, smoothing the skin and bringing it down well abaft. And make fast the bunt gasket round the mast and jigger to the tie. Wow. Did you get that? Everybody should be lighting up by now just to understand that. <laughs> yeah. And of course, playing your uh, Bob Dylan while you're doing it. He also included one from the 17th century, which he actually described as a bit more baffling. For instance, in a book by former pirate Sir Henry Mainwaring, this is, like I said, from the 1600s, if the ship go before a wind, or as they term it, betwixt two sheets, then he who cons uses these terms to him at the helm, starboard, larboard, the helm amidships. If the ship go by a wind, or quarter winds, they say aloof, or keep your loof, or fall not off, Wear no more. Keep her too. Touch the wind. Have a care of the leech latch. All these do imply the same in a manner and are to bid him at the helm to keep her near the wind. Wow. That is a passage right from a 16th century book from, or 17th century book, 1600s by a former pirate. Talking about the terms that pirates use in the expression. That was some crazy stuff there. That it was. Like I said, light him if you got him because that's the only way you're going to understand that. But seriously, beyond the blunts that heather's talking about what the hell i mean this is why we end up with modern vocabulary with just a few choice phrases and words mixed in to our we movie wouldn't here under be able to otherwise yeah we'd all be wondering what in the hell just happened johnny depp would be trying to get through it it'd take forever for anybody to get through their lines just doing that although yeah. they are professionals so maybe they could do it yeah but the audience wouldn't be able to understand that's true we'd all be scratching our heads to be honest it'd be pretty cool though you have to admit well yeah if you had it completely in, say, pirate jargon, 
Wait, pirate speak subtitles? Actually, yeah with actual modern subtitles modern english subtitles for instance but the whole movie was spoken with an english at the time and the jargon that they used that'd be pretty cool yeah be more of a historical element to it but that'd be pretty cool and not only that then when you're trying to record a podcast and talking about all those lines like this one here when i was just reading those paragraphs because it's not like i memorized that it actually took me 12 hours to record those <laughs> heather and i've been sitting here for 12 hours and just to get through those two paragraphs. And then it took me another <sighs> Yeah, it took me another eight hours just to edit that to actually get it to sound somewhat cohesive. Recorded one word at a time eventually. And I did uh say bunt gasket, which I kept wanting to Not blunt? No, I don't know why that kept slipping in there. Huh. <sighs> <sighs> I don't know what that was about. Because nothing says modern times and exciting than a bunt gasket. <laughs> Yeah, the bunt gasket. It's thrown out by Jack as he's frantically getting the crew up and the pearl ready to sail. This is just one of those nautical terms to give some authenticity to the everyday jargon on the ship that we were just talking about. Because most of us out in the world don't know what that is. Right. So this is the gasket which confines the bunt of a square sail when furled. The bunt is the middle portion of a sail, especially a square one, which is shaped like a pouch to increase the effect of the wind. There you go. Everybody knows bunt gasket. Oh, man, that was dreary. (laughs) Nothing says this is an exciting podcast when you're talking about bunt gaskets. That's why we're talking about black spots. The Robert Louis Stevenson references are really starting to pile up here in this movie already. Well, maybe in most pirate movies, actually. Because he really sets the stereotypes and cliches that would define pirate movies and these elements that would make a swashbuckler. And I should dare say that this minute is no exception. The Black Spot is a literary device invented by Stevenson, that's Robert Louis Stevenson, for his novel Treasure Island. In the book, pirates are presented with a black spot to officially pronounce a verdict of guilt or judgment. It consists of a circular piece of paper or card with one side blackened while the other side bears a message and placed in the hand of the accused. It was a source of much fear because it meant the pirate who was to be deposed as leader or maybe forced, if necessary, out of the position of leadership. Or just killed outright. So you don't want the black spot. No. The origin of the black spot, at least from Stevenson's book, as he's the one who seemed to have originated it, might be in the historical tradition, and this is where it links back to Pirates of the Caribbean, or Caribbean Pirates, is that there was a tradition of pirates in the Caribbean of showing an ace of spades to a person condemned as a traitor or informer. The card was basically putting the person dangerously on the spot, as they would call it. Huh. And the ace is the only card that has like this single symbol. You know, there's like a heart or whatever. Right. And the spade is so they just happen to choose that one. But it ha- it's like just a black spot on there. And so that's why they think that. Because it more looks like a spot than say the, you know, like a clover. Right. There you go. Very interesting. Club, I should say. Not necessarily clover, but you get my it's point. It's a clover. Yeah. So black spot. Hmm. So that's all I got on history. And we probably don't want to end on a history note though. So if you have anything, now's the time to do it. Otherwise, it's like a wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I know we were saying yesterday what storytelling. Yeah. And again, Bootstrap just does a fantastic job in this minute. Yeah, he continues on with the story. But it's not really a story. This is almost like he's not filling in a plot device or backstory or anything like that of what happened. He's actually just going, well, he's telling what the hell is going to happen to Jack yeah. here. You screwed yourself. You're not like me. And that's the thing. I think that's what really irritates. I'm sorry. I'm going to jump all over your thing here. No, it's okay. Is that Bootstrap is pissed off at Jack. They were friends. Yeah. 
okay, and he knows that he he already apologized for being part of the mutinous crew and that his part that he played in the mutiny. But when all the dust settles, they're still friends. The last thing Bootstrap wants to do is to have to come back to Jack to do the bidding of Davy Jones. Bootstrap was in this hell of a position. He had no choice but to actually accept Davy Jones's offer unless he was going to continue writhing in pain every second for eternity. Yeah. Jack, on the other hand, made a, this basically made a deal with Davy Jones for a ship. And I know that Bootstrap may not see what that ship meant to Jack Sparrow. Right. But if you just break it down to its most basic terms, Bootstrap's got to be thinking, you could have just gotten another freaking ship. Yeah. You could have stolen a ship. You did it with the Interceptor. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And to put that on par with what Bootstrap went through, he's got to be just pissed off about it. And that's why he's all so angry here. It's like, Jack, you're not getting out of this one. Why'd you even make this deal in the first place? I think that's the anger that's coming out with Bootstrap. Yeah. Because otherwise, he wouldn't be angry just for the service of Davy Jones. Because he'd just show up. Say, dude, your time's up. Here's the black spot. It's coming for you. Good right. luck, buddy. I'll see you on the Flying Dutchman when we're uh, in service together. Yeah. Under him. But no, he's like angry at him. And I think that's the reason. Because he knows. A, he knows what it's like. The power of Davy compels him to do things. And... The reason for Jack doing that is so much less in Bootstrap's eyes than it is of why he did it. Well, Jack, he doesn't think ahead like that. Or he just figures he's going to get out of everything. Well, that's that's and exactly so what that's he thinks. And so he's just like, oh, well, I'll tell him I'll come and serve him for 100 years. But that's not going to happen. Yeah, catch me if you can. Yeah. But from Bootstrap's point of view, it's like, you, I can't believe you did oh, this. Yeah. You're lucky to get off the... The mutiny thing, and that's probably another thing too, is Bootstrap was filled with guilt from his hand in the mutiny. Right. So this was also maybe like kind of his punishment to himself is to go into service. He's right. already being punished there; might as well do it here. But Jack, it's he's just looking at it like I can't believe you did that. It's kind of like the sell your soul to the devil. You know, some yeah. people say, "Oh, I'm going to sell it for a million dollars," and then another person's like, "Oh, I just hope I pass this class. I sell my soul," and you're like. So people look at it in different ways, but the problem is, is that you don't ever know what's really inside of somebody and why they made those choices, why Jack really did that. Yeah. Because for him, the freedom of the ship and what that meant is worth more than his life, right. is to have that freedom and that ability to, to sail the seven seas, for instance. Yeah. But So anyways, you were saying before I hijacked your <laughs> Shanghai. I was just saying that he's got some really good lines in this minute. For instance... He comes now drawn with ravenous hunger to the man what bears the black spot. I just think that, you know, he's just got some really, they're really um, strong lines. You know what I'm saying? They're Yeah, I think he does a really good job at delivering that too. Because you're really actually like, dang, man, I can't believe this yeah, is what's coming. you're feeling it. Yeah, and I think that's all part of that same story that he started telling when he was talking about his own demise. Yeah. That's coming through now. And I think, again, that's being fueled by the anger he has that he's having to deliver this message to a friend. And the friend is obviously not thinking that this is a serious deal. Right. And you're really feeling the emotion that Bootstrap is going through here. Exactly. You know, not Jack. Jack's still trying to get out of it. Oh, he does feel it at the end when he's running up there, but, <laughs> but not at that particular moment. 
<laughs> and when he's up, running up there, all hell is breaking loose. Exactly. <laughs> Did you see Gibbs kind of hop out of his hammock? Like, what? what what's going well, on? Nobody wants to be woken up like that. <laughs> That's all I have. So I guess what I'm just glad about is that now the whole stage has been set for the movie with this minute. Yeah. We have everything that we have to move forward. And that's what I like. I like that, okay, we're we're getting out of this whole setting up the characters that we had earlier, setting up the storyline. Now we're actually pushing forward. And I think that's why I was also a little bit excited with this minute. Yeah. Not that it just contains so much like historical elements. And I just briefly touched on it because, like I said, we don't want to bore everybody out there. But it has some great lines, great character stuff going on here, great acting from them. And then it just goes from kind of a comical, we're just moseying about, I'm going to go get some more rum, to holy maniacal sea serpents. We got to get the show on the road. And he completely moves things forward and the pace just like picks up instantly. Yeah. And then Bootstrap disappears. Exactly. He's gone. Just Just like we're going to do. We're going to disappear now. So we'll be back tomorrow with minute 18 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horns woggling to a minimum. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, soundcloud.com slash pirates of the caribbean that's for best of clips and by all means give us a plug and review on itunes we'd appreciate it mateys oh and let's not forget the facebook cursed crew listeners group for post episode discussions that's actually a lot to remember especially if you're in a foggy haze like heather just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button perhaps i should have just said that from the beginning This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.